Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Uh, Ephesians is a letter um, that was written 2,000 years ago. We're about to read from a very old letter. Uh, In the wake of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, people began to uh, gather and pray. They began to gather and to learn about Jesus in homes and in small communities around the Mediterranean. And so this is a letter from Paul, who was a church founder. Um, It's from him sent out to this church in Ephesus, in Ephesus. So uh, we're going to be kind of just peeking into this letter. There's um, <clears throat> honestly, if you, I, I'm not sure that you should have a favorite letter. Maybe you should, but this is probably my favorite letter of Paul's. Um, it's just so rich with identity, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're just going to get a sliver today. So Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, when you're there, would you stand for the reading of Holy Scripture? Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and grab your seat. You know, each uh, first Sunday of the year, um, I give a message where I share with you what I'm sensing for that coming year. I ask God, and in humility, I offer this to you. I ask him, uh, you know, what are, what are you seeing for the coming year? What are you wanting to do with our church? What will be the theme uh, for this next year? And so uh, for that, come next Sunday, because it's not the end of 2023 yet. Um, but this past year, 2023, has probably been the most spot on I've ever been. Okay, uh, in our five years as a church, um, it was the one year where I was like, I saw that theme every single week. And the beginning of the year, uh, in January 2023, I felt like the Lord said, this will be a year of dependence. This will be a year of dependence. And what I experienced, and maybe you experienced this as well, what I experienced throughout the year was uh, the increasing of the fear of the Lord in my life, which we're going to talk about today. It's God, I need you. That's what the fear of the Lord is. I need God. Uh, I, I saw an increase of trust in my life of, I'm not going to try to manipulate that anymore. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to choose to trust you. Uh, I saw an increase of need in our community. Uh, testimony after testimony, people just saying, I just exposed my need, and God showed up in my need. Uh, and it was just a wonderful year. It's been a wonderful year as a church, this year of dependence. And, and I do want to say this. We will never graduate from depending on God. We will never graduate from depending on God. But I want to say this this morning. When we need God in difficulty, we expose that we're human. But when we choose to need God in everything, we reveal the kingdom. When we need God in difficulty, we expose that we're human. 
But when we need God in everything, we reveal the kingdom. I want to focus uh, today on a very specific lesson that I've been learning this past year about individual purpose and the fear of the Lord. Individual purpose and the fear of the Lord. You know, what Paul says right here in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10, is that God made you. And maybe you're like, yes, I know that. I've read Genesis. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I believe that God created. But it says also that while he was making you, while he was crafting your soul, he was also preparing work for you to do. See, work is not a Genesis chapter 3 thing. Work is a Genesis chapter 1 thing. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that work is not the result of the fall. It's not a result of sin. Many people live their lives as though work is the burden that they carry. It's a result of the fall. No, work existed before the fall. It was part of God's good design. And what this says in, Gen- in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, is that while God was crafting your soul, it says that you were the handiwork of God. While he's making you, he was also making things for you to do, things for you to build, things for you to steward. Now, I think how many Christians have thought about this in recent memory is that God made you to do good things. God made you to do good things. But that's not what this says. That is not what... Paul says here. It doesn't say God made you to do good things. It says he made you to do good things that he prepared in advance for you to do. They're not just good things that you come up with. They aren't just good things you, you know, discover on your own while you're out there trying to do good in the world. It doesn't say that you're out to go out and do good in the world. It says that you're to do the things that he prepared for you to do in advance. How many of you guys understand there's a difference? And that changes everything. See, life is not a free for all of doing good. Like anything that's good, you should do it. How many of you, your religion is a religion of shoulds? I should have done that. You should do that. Should, 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 should. There's no should in Christ. There's only invitation. No, life is a journey of doing the good that God intended you to do specifically. I want you to imagine J.R.R. Tolkien as he's writing The Lord of the Rings. Maybe imagine that there's a a video camera placed on the side of his, uh, you know, wall on his office. And you you were watching him as he is, as crafting the character Frodo. You know, imagine he's sketching out the character Frodo. He's going to have these skills and... Uh, he's going to have, you know, uh, this kind of lack or weakness in his personality. He's going to have this characteristic. And as he is crafting Frodo, as he is writing this character, he is writing and giving these characteristics to Frodo all for a reason. All that he writes into the character of Frodo, the gifts, the personality, the skill, the lack thereof, it was going to be used in the story to accomplish an aim. Everybody say aim. In Frodo's case, it was the destruction of the ring. Everything that he was, all that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote into the character of Frodo was there to accomplish something in the story. And that is what I believe that God is doing with each person. For we are God's workmanship. We're his handiwork. Imagine uh, an author crafting a character created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. When he makes you, he also makes an aim for your life, a target for your life. And the the Greek word and concept for this is telos. Can you say that with me? 
telos. Maybe some of you have heard of telos before. What I want to say this morning is that the Bible teaches that you have a telos. You have an aim. You have a direction. It, when you were made, it, nobody just gets a, away from it, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not. When God made you, he gave you an aim. See, telos is the idea that everything has a purpose. It has a reason. All created things in this world have a reason for their existence. And when you live in that purpose, when you live for that purpose, you are oriented toward telos. So think of like uh, water. Water is wet. Why is water wet? Water is wet because it quenches thirst. There's a telos to water. Water is designed to quench thirst, not only the, the thirst of humans and animals, but the thirst of dry ground for the growth of plants. You understand what I'm saying? Or think of the sun. What is the telos of the sun, the purpose, the reason of the sun? It's, it is to grow organic material. It is to produce life. So what I'm saying is that you have an author. Everybody say, I have an author. And the author has an aim, a reason, a purpose for you. You know, because of who you are, your gifts, the things that come natural to you, uh, because of your interests, some of, sometimes we have this, this thing where we think, I'm interested in these things and God has no interest in them. And so there's these, our interests war against the things that we think are godly and the things that we, in our own mind, think are not godly. But how many of you understand, God actually gave you specific interests specific little things that he intends to meet you in. Uh, because of your personality, because of your limitations and your weaknesses, when all of those things are channeled through and submitted to Christ, they are redeemed and they become a target in your life. You were designed for something. <laughs> you were designed to leave a mark on this life, to hit a target in this life. You have a telos. Now, this is pretty different. Hopefully you can see this. This theology about personhood is pretty different uh, than the common thought that, uh, uh, to, of today that you're, you just do you. You know that philosophy? You just do you or, or you live your best life. It's pretty different. See, it's thought in our current age that every person has a certain set of attractions. And your attractions create an identity buffet that you can pick and choose from depending on the season of life, the people around you, what is in vogue or not. See, we are told a lie about identity, and it's a very tempting lie because it is the oldest lie. The oldest lie is that the biggest gift we can give to people is self-determination in identity. I hope you guys are paying attention today. The biggest, this is what we believe in our culture, the biggest gift that you can give to somebody is you determine who you are. You create who you are. You choose who you are. It's the oldest lie because it's the lie that Eve was told in the garden. If you eat this, you can be God. You can self-define. You know, we say this to children uh, when they're growing up. We say, you can be anything you want to be. My mom was like, you could be an astronaut. You could be the president. You can be any, anything. And we say this as a way of encouraging people. 
But I hope you understand that it places an enormous burden on someone's shoulders to create their own identity. And I think that what we're seeing in our culture right now is that humans were not designed to create an identity. It's a responsibility that we cannot have in a healthy way. We were not designed to create a brand. The Bible says you were designed to receive an identity that was prepared for you in advance. See, the Bible doesn't say you can be whatever you want to be. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God prepared things in advance for each person to do and that you will discover those things as you depend. You don't depend, you won't discover. To the degree you depend, you will discover. You cannot be whatever you want to be. The news is even better than that. You can be what God made you to be. There's a mind behind your life. I think of it like this. I'm giving you a bunch of like examples and pictures, but hopefully this is helpful. I think of it like this. It's like you're a missile, and at birth, you're fired out of a cannon. Don't think about that too much. You're, you're fired out of a cannon. <laughs> I'm so sorry for saying that. Uh, and look, when you're fired out of that cannon, you can either hit the target or you can drift. You can either hit the target that God designed or you can drift. Which is why Proverbs 22 gives us this wisdom. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Uh, the Hebrew here can also say this. Dedicate a child to the mouth. What? <laughs> Dedicate a child, that the way they should go in Hebrew is the mouth, the entrance of a space, the mouth of a cave. Imagine a cave, you know, and you're like, there's the mouth of the cave. Dedicate a child to the mouth. To what? The place that makes space available. What is the mouth of a cave? It's the entrance to another space. Or uh, think of the mouth of a tunnel. It's the entrance to a new space that is made available. In other words, dedicate a child to the place that makes space accessible and they won't change direction when they are old. It's the role of a parent to bring your child to the entrance of a tunnel for their life so that they have a context, boundaries to live within. And they will receive, when you do that, they are receiving the limitations around them, not to be anything that they want to be, but to be who God made humans to be and then made them to be specifically. That is the gift. Here's the context of your life. Here's what God, God gave me a prophetic word. Let me tell you about it. The scriptures say this is the design for humans. Let me tell you about it. And I'm going in parenting, and this is what we do when we help one another, is we bring each other to the entrance to the mouth. We dedicate to the mouth of the tunnel so that we say, see that right there? That's telos. That's target. That's aim. 
This is the case for every person. There is an aim for your life. You know, uh, we do alpha every now and then. And in these alpha videos, if you've never been through alpha, basically you watch a video. And the video consists of a couple different things. It consists of um, kind of interviews, like they got a man on the street doing interviews with people, kind of gathering the temperature of the culture and where people are at and what they think about God and that sort of thing. And, And then typically like a gospel message. Here's the truth. Here's what Christians believe. And they have this one question that they ask in uh, all of the iterations of Alpha. They always ask this question to people on the street. If you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? And it's like nine out of ten people, their question is this. How am I doing? How am I doing? Am I doing okay? How's my life? Do you know what they're asking? Am I hitting the target? Even if they believe in God or don't believe in God, they know there's a target. They know there's a telos. Am I aiming well? How do you know if you're aiming well? You know by the state of your heart. After a failed kingship with Solomon, um, I don't know if you guys remember this story. Solomon is the first king of Israel. Uh, He has a complete failure as a king. Saul, Saul, did I say Solomon? Sorry, Saul. Saul's the first king of Israel. He has a complete failure as a king. And uh, on the outside, you'd think, man, he's having all these successes. He's winning these battles. He seems to be living in his purpose, but he completely misses it. And because of that, God says, I'm not going with Saul anymore. I'm going with David. And when he's directing his prophet to pick the next king, he says, don't look at what man looks at. I don't look at the things that man looks at. I look at the heart. Such a powerful passage. I look at the core of a person, the motivations of a person, the center of a person. See, God, and here's what I want to say. The reason why I wanted to bring this up is that God is not pleased with people who simply do good things, but don't become good people. God is not pleased with people who do good things, but don't become good people. Look back down at your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Notice where you were created. What does it say? It says, For we are God's handiwork, created where? In Christ Jesus. What does that mean, to be created in Christ Jesus? What does that, what does that mean? It means that your identity is going to reveal your activity. When you were created, you were created in the context of a character. In other words, your identity is tied up with Christ's identity. The more you live like Christ, the more you live. The less you live like Christ, the more you die because you were created in Christ Jesus. His identity becomes a context for your identity. And what I'm saying is that your identity will be what reveals your activity. See, you can appear, and many people do, you can appear to be functioning in your design, to be aimed correctly. To all the people around you saying, look at their life, look at what they're doing, look at how they're doing it, look at the success, look at all the... You can look like you're aimed correctly, but you can be completely off because your aim And your purpose cannot be separated from your character, from who you are. 
Yesterday, I got a text from somebody in our church who um, their father is is at Friends View and is dying. It was it, maybe he's already passed, um, but it was definitely towards the end. And they invited me. They said, "Why don't you come and would you be willing to pray with him and would you be willing to pray with me?" And uh, so I so I went and I I it was a true privilege. Uh, because I heard about this man's life. He is 101 or was 101 years old. He's the oldest man in Newburgh. Uh, he, um, at 18, graduates from McMinnville High School. He goes off to Italy to fight in World War II. Uh, after World War II, four years in the war, after World War II, he comes back to Oregon and he becomes a sheep farmer. His whole job was shearing sheep in central Oregon. Uh, from there, the, the farm eventually shuts down, um, and in the 1970s, he moves to Beaverton, Oregon, and becomes a church janitor, and that's how he spends the rest of his career. He's a church janitor, and uh, this daughter of his was sharing just all these stories that she had about him, stories of integrity. I'll share just one just to kind of show you the kind of guy that this guy was because I want to honor him. Um, do you ever like? Do you ever get around somebody and you're like, you were a great person, and I'm not a great. You're like, I'm not a great person. You're a great person. That's how it felt. Um, so I want to take a moment just to honor him. But uh, she told me this story that at one point, um, while he was working at the church, uh, there was some kind of dissension, some kind of strife within the church leadership, and maybe like a, a rumblings of a split or something like that. And uh, he's he's not on the pastoral team. He's the janitor. Okay, so he's not a part of decision making, anything like that. Uh, every single lunch break, he would come home and he would fast his lunch and he would be on his knees praying for reconciliation within the church. Um, He was known for sacrifice for his family, sacrifice for his country, uh, warmth towards his family. He he was known as uh, kind of the unifier within his family. I want you guys to understand something. How many of you understand that his telos wasn't soldier or farmer or janitor? that those were just the venues, those were the opportunities to display the true person underneath. It wasn't what he did that made him a great man. It was how he did it, who he was, the integrity, the fear of the Lord, the placing other people first. And with fear and trembling in my own self, I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, you hit your target. You made your mark. You left a legacy. See, this is what many people miss, because we are so used to pleasing people and living for their approval. Many have thought that hitting their target would be seen by the applause of people or the wealth that they've amassed or the flash of their job. When in reality, they could have done all those things and their heart would still be a mess. This is a very important distinction. Your identity isn't activity. It is identity that leads to activity. God makes you, and the good things to do are tied up in who you are which means a couple things. You can't accomplish your telos. You can now, if that's the case, you can accomplish your telos in any context. You don't need that job or that spouse or living in that city to to be who you are. No, you can do it 
whether you're a church janitor or a farmer or whether you're an engineer, whatever it is that God gives you to do. And secondly, there isn't something for you to do that you haven't become. There isn't something for you to do that you haven't become. See, Jesus said, freely you've received, so freely give. You remember that? Freely you've received, so freely give. Which means that you cannot give away what you haven't received. You won't, what I'm, what I'm getting at is this, you won't give away something that you haven't become. God is not interested in you doing things for him. He's interested in you becoming a person, the kind of person who has integrity and the fear of the Lord and who believes in the Holy Spirit's power and surrenders to him at every single kind of junction point in your life so that he can bring the kingdom through your life. Like I said, when you are in need, in difficulty, you expose your human. But if you choose to be in need in everything, you will reveal the kingdom. Let me try to illustrate this and explain this. I was afraid of having kids. Who's really afraid of having kids? I'm still afraid of having kids, and I have them. Some people, I look at you and I think, you were made to have kids. I don't know if I was made to have kids. I have kids, and so I have kids. (laughs) I think I'm a good dad, but I just want to say this. I was afraid of having kids because I knew, look, most of my life, is I'm doing stuff like this. You think that you know me, but you don't know me. Because I only show you what I want you to see. And I'm pretty good at it. I've been doing it for like 15 years. I'm pretty good at showing you what I want you to see. Sometimes people come up, you were so vulnerable. And I'm like, no, I wasn't, because I didn't tell you the truth. I told you the truth that I knew you would applaud. I didn't tell you the truth that would disgust you. And I knew that when I had kids, they'd see everything. There's no stage at my house. (laughs) They would see everything. They would bring things out of me that I didn't even know were there. And it scared me. I talk to people when they first get married, and they're like, I thought I was a good person. And then I got married, and I was like, I'm really selfish. And you're like, dude, when you have kids, It's, a, it's like a whole new frontier. The whole West is open for, sanct, for sanctification. See, I realized that it was not just anxiety, like pre-parent anxiety, like what is it going to be like and what, how, how are we going to sleep and all that. Okay, it was that I didn't want my inside world exposed. Or even worse, I didn't want my inside world to shape someone's childhood. And I had this sinking feeling at one point when I realized that no amount of discipline, that no amount of rest or no book that I could read about parenting was going to help me. No content was going to get me out of this and make me a good parent. If I wanted to be a good parent, if I wanted to hit my telos as a parent, what was going to have to happen is I was going to have to change. Because my, my kids, they don't sit for sermons. They don't get sermons from me. They get me. They're going to get me. Freely you've received, so freely give. You're going to give away whatever's inside you. I had to become different. 
And I realized, like, the problem wasn't content, it wasn't theology, it wasn't good ideas about parenting, it was source. What was my heart fed by? See, the heat of life, do you understand what I'm saying? When the heat of life is turned up, it's always going to reveal your source, which is why the fear of the Lord is what will lead to your destiny. The fear of the Lord is the key to your telos, because the fear of the Lord focuses you in and says, you stay close to him. He'll unfold your destiny. He's going to make you somebody. He's not content with you just doing good stuff. He's not content with you saying good stuff. He wants you to become the real deal. I have a, um, I have a scar right here in the middle of my forehead uh, because uh, the first time I ever went hunting, some of you guys, some of you men in the room probably know, or ladies in the room if you're into hunting, you know where this is going. The first time I ever went hunting, I was on an elk hunt, and I got, you know, I, I, I got down with the gun, and I'm, like, getting position, laying down, and I see, you know, there's, like, a, a herd of elk on this other hill, you know, like, a, a thousand yards away. I don't know how, long, how far it was away, but a long ways away. My shot was incredible. Um, and I lay down and I'm I'm aiming and I and I'm like I'm trying I'm trying to use the scope and I'm like I'm getting kind of closer to it and then I'm just like so hopped up I'm, my heart is pounding so much that I just pull the trigger and this is a rifle this is like this is a cannon the whole gun just goes and just hits me the scope right in the middle of the forehead and blood just instantly just and I'm like you know, it's only fair. I killed the animal. It's only fair that I also get a little bloody as well. That story has very little to do with what I'm about to tell you. I mainly wanted to tell you that story because some of the guys in the room, you come here and, and you think, I bet that guy's never been hunting. I want to tell you I have been hunting. <laughs> I have killed two elk. Thank you. Is Joe Devlar here? I just wanted Joe to hear that. Maybe some of you could let Joe know. All right. See, you're like, where is he going? What I'm saying is that the fear of the Lord is like a scope for your life. And what a scope does is it cuts out all the noise. All the other stuff, who cares? And it says, but what's that? And the fear of the Lord says, I don't care about what they say. I don't care about what they think. I don't care about what you're doing. I don't care about the good ideas over here. I'm not just about doing good ideas. I'm about walking in what he prepared for me to do. Jesus put it this way. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. In other words, Jesus limited his activity to what was revealed. He limited, you're like, Jesus limited? Yes, Jesus limited his activity to what he saw. And the fear of the Lord keeps your aim because it says, I'm going to love what you love. I'm going to hate what you hate. I'm about pleasing you. I have one audience in this life. I have one author in this life. And that is how you live in telos. That is how you live towards your aim. I want to end uh, the year and this message with, I think, the most important passage for us as a church in this past year, and that's Jeremiah 17. So turn in the left, to the left in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah was a prophet who was constantly calling Israel back to the fear of the Lord, constantly calling Israel back to dependence. And Jeremiah 17, uh, verse 5, has just this amazing, uh, this amazing uh, image for us as a church, and I think it's going to be for you personally as well. So Jeremiah 17, verse 5 says this, this is what the Lord says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh. When all of your solutions to life's ills are human means, cursed life. That's a cursed life. When you are only as strong as the approval of others or you are only as joyful as the money that you have or the circumstances that your work has put you in, Cursed. Cursed life. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. When all your solutions are human, it is inevitable that your heart will turn away from the Lord. That's just what happens next. That person will be like a bush in wastelands. Your life will be dry. You will be acutely aware of your lack, and you will always feel like you're in need of something more. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. This is stark, but it has to be. Cursed are you. This is what this is saying. Cursed are you if you live as though man is the highest authority. That humans can solve everything wrong, whether you're a socialist, whether you're a capitalist. If those are your solutions to human ills, that's a cursed life. Cursed are you when you are the director of your life, when you make all the calls, when you set the amounts, when you define what is reasonable, that's a cursed life, the Bible says. Cursed are you when you set your own target, that's a cursed life. Or when you determine your actions based upon what others may be thinking about you. That's a cursed life. In fact, that person is like a dried out bush, like a snappable twig. This is the description of what the fear of man will get you. And this is how many believe they'll find their telos. What did they say about me? What, did they, what would they think? How much money will I make? I'll do that. That must be my purpose. That must be my telos. That's a cursed life. But ready to put the scope on? We're going to put the scope on. Ready? Verse 7. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. When all of my problems find their solution in you, blessed life. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. When the heat of life is turned up, the heart doesn't race. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is a description of what the fear of the Lord gets you. That person who fears the Lord, who says, I'm going to trust in the Lord, they have no worries when the environment around them doesn't foster them. When the environment around them turns against them, no worries. When the heat gets turned up, no worries. Why? 
because they have developed their own veins to strength. Secret. What, what is a root, right? What does it say? It sends out its roots by the stream. They have developed underground hidden pathways to the presence of water, to source. See, on the surface, that person, they just look green. Do you know what we would say about them in our culture today? You would just say, man, they're just lucky. They're just lucky. No, they are hitting their aim, their telos, because they have a whole underground life. They have prioritized not just doing good, but becoming good by connecting themselves to the source, by limiting their life to the fear of the Lord. So that in the most unlikely times, when their environment turns against them, when the heat comes, their aim and their purpose are exposed because of their source. They're the ones who are still green when everybody else is dry. When we need God in difficulty, we reveal that we're human. When we need God in everything, we will reveal the kingdom. If you only go to God when the heat comes, your roots will be too small. Have you ever, have you ever driven by um, somebody's house that's tried to create like an arborvita wall? And like they're all, like eight of them are brown. There's like two green ones. That's because arborvita need a lot of water. Let me just tell you this. If you're ever going to plant one of those, put a watering system in. You need it, okay? Because um, I just, I get so tired of seeing the dead arborvita walls, to be honest, around our, our town. But the... The reason why is that they plopped it in the ground and the roots weren't long enough to get the water. So if you only need God when the heat comes, your roots will be too small, too short to get what you really need. So let's make a strategic decision. I'll be in need at all times. That is the fear of the Lord. And that is where your destiny begins. Your telos begins. I'll be in need at all times. I want to pray for you. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.